الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي هدانا سبلنا وما لنا الا نتوكل على الله وقد هدانا سبلنا ولنصبرن على ما اذيتمونا واشهد ان لا اله الا الله الواحد الاحد الفرد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا احد واشهد ان سيدنا وحبيبنا ونبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه واله وسلم عبده ورسوله لقد كان لكم في رسول الله اسوه حسنه لمن كان يرجو الله واليوم الاخر وذكر الله كثيرا من يطع الله ورسوله واولي الامر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعص الله ورسوله واولي الامر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له ومن يتوكل على الله فان الله على كل شيء قدير اما بعد ايها المؤمنون if you are living in the real world if you have your senses and receptors working you realize that there is tension this tension is in the world that is not in its social makeup an islamic one and within the muslim societies there's also tension unfortunately much of this tension has to do with the sectarian issue sectarianism is running rampant and it has caused very bad feelings among certain muslims i need not go into the details thereof i think each one of you comes into contact with this issue many times i'm going to shift the attention to the earlier generation of muslims the first generation of muslims when also tension was running very high there was a very serious split among the muslims as to who shall be the ultimate decision maker of the muslims and this resulted in warfare 
it wasn't just a theoretical dispute a verbal argument it went way beyond that there were tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands who got involved in a civil strife and this is an internal Islamic affair a comment I would like to make here is that unfortunately our history you can go back to any history book you want that history which most of the times is written by the conquerors those who win the wars they write the history and much of this history does not mention foreign intrigue the interference of foreign powers in the internal affairs of Muslims up until this moment I have not used any of the buzzwords that are used in this history there are words that when you use them they trigger a certain pattern of thoughts and conclusions just by using certain words you jump to the conclusion and I've so far avoided that because we are supposed to learn from ourselves that those were ourselves 1400 years ago and if we begin to use these trigger words then we can't we're not going to be able to learn and so we defeat our purpose why is there a khutbah why is there communication if we are not going to learn anyways the dispute among the Muslims climaxed in the battle of Safin and in the battle of Safin when a component of Muslims was winning the war against another component of Muslims one side was right the other side was wrong the side that was wrong was losing at the time when the losers realized that they could not win this battle at that very moment inside the camp of the winners there were breakaway voices these breakaway voices they said that we should accept arbitration remember tensions are running high just like today in certain geographies of the Muslim world maybe because we are thousands of miles away that tension when it reaches us is mild but in some areas it is concentrated the same thing was happening then and there so the losers said they came up with a scheme we are going to raise 
these pages of the Qur'an on our swords and we are going to ask our opponents to refer to this Qur'an in solving the differences we have between us. So there is a social dynamic at work. There is a military dynamic at work. There is a political dynamic at work. All of these are within this atmosphere of tension. So when the losers raised the pages of the Qur'an on their swords, and when on the opposite side, a large contingent of Muslims said, we should go for arbitration, and Imam Ali, in the middle of all of this, realized that the losers are up to something it's a scheme it's a trick and many of his own soldiers fell for the trick And things began to develop from there. Inside both of these camps, things were developing in a way that the idealistic position, if the continuation of the war against the losers, I think everyone knows what I mean by losers. I'm trying to avoid these stereotypical words if this war is going to continue against the losers there is going to be another war inside his own camp so what did inside his own camp what were they up to what were their internal thoughts what was going on in their minds the following thing was going on in their minds they said initially we are right we have no doubt about that and they are wrong so if they want the Quran to be the reference they are going to lose just like they're losing militarily now they are going to lose in diplomacy let's call it tahkim, a form of diplomacy they're going to lose in that diplomatic venture that they are now insisting on. So when the Imam, understanding all of these dynamics, when he accepted avoidance of another war inside his own camp, he could care less about the opponents because the opponents, they've shown their true colors. So when he did that, the same people inside his own camp began to argue that decision. He said to them, but you are the ones who initially, the pressure that you put 
on this position that we are in necessitated that we accept this it's called tahkim this arbitration we accept this so now the attention is and all of all of what i'm saying is to be understood in light of the ayah ud'u ila sabili rabbika bil hikmati wal maw'izati al hasana wa jadilhum billati hiya ahsan inna rabbaka huwa a'lamu biman dalla an sabilihi wa huwa a'lamu bil muhtadin i think this ayah is very well known to all of you ud'u ila sabili rabbika bil hikmati wal maw'izati al hasan so when a person is in a superior military position he doesn't say that I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to talk to the other side. Especially if the other side is claims and says that it is Islamic and Muslim, etc. So what happened was that arbitration became the final decision on both sides of this conflict. They agreed to it. Both sides agreed to it. But inside those who were winning now there was a new strain of breakaways khawarij that's what it means breakaway khawarij they said now they turned their attention against their own leader and they said something to the effect and I'm going to summarize it in three issues First of all this arbitration is not a human affair this arbitration is a divine affair and they took that ayah in al-hukmu illa lillah yaqussu al-haqq wa huwa khayru al-fasilin arbitration is an issue that belongs to Allah so Imam Ali has no hand no input into this arbitration. This is what happens bro- brothers and sisters this is what happens when we are plagued with the type of individuals and human beings that no longer think So do you run away from them? Do you not speak to them? How do you deal with them? Do you interact with them? Of course you interact with them. From a strictly Islamic point of view, we never shy away, we never should shy away from interacting with our opponents within the house of Islam. Never. And this is a major lesson towards that end. So to summarize their criticism of Imam Ali he accepted the arbitration their argument was his method of arbitration was wrong that's number 1 number 2 we were at war with these others 
And in this war, there were no sabaya and no ghanaim. There were no uh, prisoners of war and there were no spoils of war. And the third one is the imam, our leader, had doubt in his own position as Amir al-Mu'mineen. Because in this arbitration, the opposite side, Muawiyah's side, did not agree to the title of Amir al-Mu'mineen pertaining to Imam Ali. These, of course, can be refuted. A Muslim who is steeped in the Quran and in the Prophet can approach these issues very easily. So what did Imam Ali do? First of all, did he say, did he think, did he give any signal that we disqualify them from having a dialogue or a discussion? No, none of that appeared anywhere. So what he did was he deputized Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, go to these people, speak to them, see what's on their mind. So he went. They gathered in their thousands and these three points were refuted by Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. On the first point of tahkim, the khawarij were saying, at that time, these breakaways, they didn't say that we are not going to sit down with the other Muslims and speak. Today, the breakaways, they say we're going to kill the other side. We don't even want to speak to them. So the khawarij of those days had more dignity in them than the khawarij or the Wahhabis of our days. I have to, you know, use these words reluctantly so that you don't get lost in the maze of maybe some general statements. So he said on the issue of tahkim, Abdullah ibn Abbas is speaking to these breakaway elements in their thousands. Ibn Kathir in Al-Bidayah and Nihayah say there were over 20,000 of them. Whatever the number was, it was a huge number. And they were sitting down there as Muslims speaking to Muslims. And Abdullah ibn Abbas mentioned an ayah in the Quran that says that when you are in the Hajj, you are not supposed to get involved in hunting activities. لا تقربوا الصيد وأنتم حرم. And then at the end of the ayah it says فليحكم ذوى عدل منكم The arbitrators should be two who are noteworthy for their fairness and their objectivity. Now this is concerning game. This is concerning 
something that you may hunt in the Arabian Peninsula. Let's say a rabbit. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his book said there should be two arbiters that will estimate what the cost of that hunting is and they will rule on that. So this is a divine ayah from Allah but the responsibility is a person, a man's responsibility. And man here doesn't mean gender issue. It's the man's responsibility. That's in response to their saying, لا حكم إلا لله. Okay, that's an ayah and we understand that. There's no governance and no arbitration except that which belongs to Allah. That's why Imam Ali answered them, said to that statement, كَلِمَةُ حَقِّ يُرَادُ بِهَا بَاطِلِ it's a statement of truth, but the intention behind it is batil. They listened, no one ran up and slapped Ibn Abbas or accused him of kufr or did these other things. They were listening. He said, on the second issue that you have, remember this is a dialogue that is going on among Muslims who were previously killing themselves in the tens if not hundreds of thousands. He said on the second issue of Sabaya and Ghana'im, prisoners of war and spoils of war, you said Al-Imam Abdullah ibn Abbas is speaking to them. You said the Imam did not take any Sabaya or any Ghana'im. He said to them, what do you want him to do? You want him to take the Prophet's wife, Aisha, as a prisoner of war? You want him to confiscate the belongings of the Prophet as spoils of war? And they listened. The difference between a generation then and the generation now is there was communication then. Now, there doesn't seem to be any communication. There were people who would listen to identify where the truth is. It seems like now there is no one who will do something like that in a noticeable way. The third issue with, which had to do with the fr- omitting the phrase Amir al-Mu'mineen to describe al-Imam Ali in the arbitration settlement. The other side refused to say, refused to write Amir al-Mu'mineen Ali ibn Abi Talib. They said, we don't want the word Amir al-Mu'mineen included in this. And then Abdullah ibn Abbas reminded them of al-Hudaybiyah. The mushriks in Mecca, when they came down to settle their differences, the mushriks refused the title Rasulullah before the word Muhammad. They didn't want the word Muhammad Rasulullah mentioned in the agreement of Hudaybiyah. They said, write Muhammad ibn Abdullah. Don't write Muhammad Rasulullah. Suhail ibn Amr, who was the spokesperson for the Mushriks, insisted on this and Imam Ali himself was the one who was writing it 
And the Imam Ali himself took a position in which he didn't feel comfortable omitting those words. And on orders from the Prophet, he said, omit those words. And everyone knows in the Islamic camp that, uh, that Muhammad is Allah's messenger, Allah's prophet. But they agreed to that. So an Imam Ali was doing exactly what the prophet would have done. And Ibn Abbas was explaining this whole issue to those who were potential enemies. What did the strength of the hujjah, the strength of evidence and proof that you want? Do you refer yourselves to Allah and His Prophet? Okay, come on. Let's refer ourselves to Allah and His Prophet. The early generation of Muslims was not shy and was not of a cowardice nature to say, we're not going to do that. They did it. And as was reported, as I said in Al-Bidaya wa Nihaya, one of the major history reference books, after this back and forth took place, 20,000 of those who were breakaway elements, they saw the light. said, you're right. And then there was that hardcore hundreds of individuals who broke away from the breakaway faction that they began and they went to a Nahrawan and after that there was they began what we call today terrorist acts killing innocent people killing women who are pregnant saying that that baby that's going to be born is going to be one of our enemies better kill that baby in the womb than kill that baby at the war front exactly the logic or the propaganda of terrorism that we see in the world today and even though they set on a course like this how did the authentic islamic leadership imam ali how did he deal with them he asked the more reasonable people in them to turn over over the actual criminals but they refused so he was forced to face them in warfare and that this is what is happening in today's world if you look around if you see what's happening around us when you speak to the Saudis, as an example, whether they are the ruling class or the religious class, when you speak to them, say, okay, we have our differences, let us solve these differences according to the book of Allah and His Prophet. They don't want to listen to it. They don't want to respond. And if they do, they do so with fighting words preparations for war invading another country fueling civil wars all around the place what type of people what type of early islamic generation 
personalities can they justify their acts? Who can they say is behaving like them today? And what do you do when they don't turn over? Just like in today's world, at that time, these khawarij, they refused to turn over the criminal elements among them. And they forced the committed Muslims into a confrontation. The same thing is happening today. They force the committed Muslims in, into a confrontation and the committed Muslims begin to score military victories against them. We can see in today's world how external elements are involved in internal Islamic affairs. But if you take the history books, you'd think all of the external powers are absent. There's no external power. Just before the movement of Islam in and out of the Arabian Peninsula, there were two superpowers in the world. As a keen observer brought to the attention of this speaker, these two superpowers had the longest war in human history between 700 and 800 years, the Persians and the Byzantines. In your right mind, do you think at this time of internal Islamic tension that they no longer existed, that they had no interest in trying to influence the affairs of the Muslims? That's like saying in today's world what is happening in the Arabian Peninsula, in the Holy Land, in all of these areas, these hyperpowers don't exist. Who's going to believe that? You know they exist. You know what they are trying to do. Divide the Muslims from within. Try to figure out who they can use. So if they are doing it today, they were doing it then. What they changed? The empire then is, the, is different from the empire now. The nature of this creature is the same hundreds of years ago and today. It hasn't changed. But why are we, the question becomes, why are we incapable of understanding what's being done to us today? And why don't we have enough confidence in who we are to take on these types? بالحكمة والموعظة الحسنة وجادلهم بالتي هي أحسن إن ربك هو أعلم بمن ضل عن سبيله وهو أعلم بالمهتدين أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم أدعوه سبحانه وأنتم على يقين بالإجابة وتوبوا إلى الله غافر الذنب وقابل التوب شديد العقاب وإليه المصير الحمد لله بجميع المحامد على جميع النعم وصلى الله وسلم على المبعوث خيرا ورحمة وهدى لكافة الأمم 
محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم Dear committed brothers and sisters A clarification has to be made because this is the only means that this clarification can be made in a public way. This may find its rounds, what I'm going to explain to you right now, and then people are not going to understand what happened. <coughs> Yesterday, one of the satellite stations from Saudi Arabia contacted yours truly and said, would you be willing to be interviewed uh, for a particular program? <coughs> I asked, how did you get <coughs> my name? He said, well, we have a list of uh, names and your name is mentioned in that list. For your information, the telephone call came from Egypt, did not come from Saudi Arabia. The caller ID indicates the country code was Egypt, some Delta communication operation. I said, what is the interview going to be about? He said, uh, the launching of missiles from Yemen into Saudi Arabia. I said, how long is this going to take? He said, maybe about 15 minutes. So to skip some minor details here, I said, okay, fine. So I waited for the particular time. The phone came in, the caller ID indicates the phone came in from Saudi Arabia. And they said, they began, they said, are you with us on the air? Can you hear us, etc.? I said, yes. So he said something like this. He said, there's been a missile that was launched from Yemen by Houthi militias. These are his words, Houthi militias against um, the Holy Land. These missiles were going towards Al-Ta'if and towards Mecca they were intercepted and how do you comment on this so I said first of all let us have enough courtesy to use appropriate terminology these people who are in Yemen who are fighting they don't call themselves Houthi militias. They call themselves Ansarullah. Can we have just enough courtesy to call them what they call themselves? So we can continue with this. Then he cut me off and he said, but these are bandits, Isabat. And they are not involved in a conventional war. And then I said to him, just mentioned an ayah, أُذِنَ لِلَّذِينَ يُقَاتَلُونَ بِأَنَّهُمْ ظُلِمُوا 
وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَىٰ نَصْرِهِمْ لَقَدِيرٌ Permission has been given. The ayah says, permission has been given to those who have been offended, oppressed, dealt injustice, ظُلِمُوا Permission to fight has been given to them. وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَىٰ نَصْرِهِمْ لَقَدِيرٌ and indeed, Allah is capable of offering them support and victory. And then I got cut off immediately. No more communication, nothing. By the way, I said to him, one of the sentences I said, your, edit, your news editors there in the studio should have enough integrity to use the word Ansarullah so that we can go on with this discussion. By the way, he made the, the, the remark that these missiles are launched at the time of Hajj. Muslims are beginning to arrive in Mecca for the Hajj. Of course, there was no opportunity to respond to that. If they are concerned with Hajj, if I had the opportunity to, to just speak a few more minutes, that, well, the person you're speaking to is barred from going to the Hajj or to the Umrah or to Al-Hijaz, period. Who are you? Uh, the, the, the Saudi uh, family rulers, they're concerned with the Hajj and the affairs of Hajj, the restrictions that they've been putting on people who want to go to the Hajj using other governments to put restrictions on their own populations if they want to go to the Hajj. And then all of this is occurring in a time period when all of the Muslim attention is on Al-Quds, Jerusalem. What is being done in Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, now the Saudis want to relieve the pressure off of the Israelis to get the attention of the Muslims refocused from Al-Quds, Jerusalem to Mecca saying that the Houthis and the Shi'is and the Yemenis, they are threatening the Kaaba and they are threatening this, that and the other. And all of this, they may be able to fool some people, but they never will be able to fool those who are grounded in Allah and His Prophet. And this is reminiscent of another occasion. Many years ago, one of these synagogues, just a, maybe a mile or two in that direction from here. They invited yours truly to go speak in the synagogue. There's, there were no conditions placed on me or on the other speaker. Unfortunately, some Muslims, I don't know for what reason, if there's no conditions placed on you, whether it comes from a Yahudi, or a Nasrani, or a Muslim, or an atheist, or whoever, give, give, that gives you the opportunity to explain what Islam is in an age, at a time, when everyone is mis-explaining Islam. They are torturing the meanings of Islam, and someone is telling you, oh, you can come and speak about Islam? Why not? At a time, when we have a conference that's going to be held next month in this country by those who are supposed to be Muslims who understand better, who 
disinvite you through a very zigzaggy way. This is the condition we are in. Let's wake up, look at ourselves, have the moral courage to address these issues and to speak the truth whenever and wherever we are given the opportunity to do so. You've seen it here, 34 years, we are outside this masjid. Because they, the people who have the power and the wealth, they cannot tolerate the word of truth expressed at times like this. Especially when those words of truth go directly to the heart of the issue and exposes the dictators and the despots that we have. What else can we say? What else is there to be said except referring this whole affair to Allah Jalla wa'ala? Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna tiba'ah wa arina al-batila batilan warzuqna jtinaabah وَلَا تَجْعَلْهُ مُلْتَبِسًا عَلَيْنَا وَجْعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا اللهم إليك نشكو ضعف قوتنا وقلة حيلتنا وهوانا على الناس يا أرحم الراحمين أنت ربنا وأنت رب المستضعفين فإلى من تكلنا إلى غريب يتجهمنا أم إلى عدو ملكته أمرنا إن لم يكن بك علينا غضب فلا نبالي ولكن عافيتك هي أوسع لنا نعوذ بنور وجهك الذي أشرقت له الظلمات وصلح عليه أمر الدنيا والآخرة من أن تنزل بنا غضبك أو تحل علينا صختك لك العتبى حتى ترضى ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بك اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وبارك على محمد وآل محمد اللهم صل على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم وبارك على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر إنما يعمر مساجد الله من آمن بالله واليوم الآخر وأقام الصلاة وآت الزكاة ولم يخش إلا الله فعسى أولئك أن يكونوا من المهتدين أجعلتم سقاية الحاج وعمارة المسجد الحرام كمن آمن بالله واليوم الآخر وجاهد في سبيل الله لا يستوون عند الله والله لا يهدي القوم الظالمين أقم الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا موقوتا